Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day which you've given to us. And Lord, we do gather during the the busyness of this season to pause and to reflect with humble hearts all that you have done for us, all that you have provided for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are present here that you are present here in the power of your Holy Spirit to serve us, to give to us that which we need. So, Lord, I pray that we would come before your word today with humble hearts. Lord, that we would be humbled unto repentance and faith and trust in you, that we may truly go in peace and serve you in whatever aspect of our lives which you have called us to do. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd be glorified in this time. Speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we will study a portion of Scripture which records for us Mary's song. It's also called the Magnificat, not the Magnificat, but the Magnificat, this song of Mary, this song of praise. Mary understood who she was. She understood how unworthy she was, and she understood what a precious gift was given to her in carrying the Son of God in her womb for nine months. And Mary said in Luke 1, 46 through 55, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown forth strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Humility, humility. Now I ask this question. What is it going to take to achieve success in 2019? If you want that promotion, what's it going to take to get that promotion? Uh, Let's pretend you have aspirations for political uh, office. What's it going to take in order to be successful in politics in a 2019 kind of world? Let's say you you, you desire to to open up and to start that, that great new business. What's it going to take to be successful in business in a 2019 kind of world? I think that people would offer a lot of advice for those seeking success in the coming year. 
Lots of different ideas uh, for how to be successful and how to achieve. But is the example of Jesus, is the example of Mary, is the example of humility on a list of traits for success in 2019? What do you think? What about humility? What about servanthood? You'll probably never be given advice to be like Jesus. You'll probably never be given that advice. Be like Jesus. Think of of John chapter 6. And at the beginning of John chapter 6, the multitudes come to Jesus. This looks like success, right? Uh, He feeds 5,000 men, not including the women and children. So this massive group of people come to Jesus to hear Jesus, and Jesus fills them. And and Jesus then has to escape because the people want to make him king by force. In a 2019 kind of world, you would assume that this is the pinnacle of success. But then go to the end of John chapter 6, and what do you find? Jesus explains to the people, he tells the people what it means to be a disciple. And everybody leaves Jesus, and only the twelve remain with him. And he asks the twelve, are you also going to go? And they say no, because you have the words of eternal life. Is that success? Is that success in the world's eyes to go from thousands to twelve in just a matter of hours? Consider Palm Sunday. We all know what happens on Palm Sunday. The crowds are there. They are there to greet Jesus, hailing him as king. The people wave palm branches and they place garments on the street to make way for their king. Go to Good Friday. These people who are shouting Hosanna on Good Friday are shouting what? Crucify him. Crucify him. Should we go to Jesus as an example of success in a 2019 kind of world? How about this? Help your direct competitor succeed. You going to hear that kind of advice? If your direct competitor is lacking funds or talents, do what you can to give and to serve and to help your competitor be just as successful as you are. If your direct competitor is going bankrupt, give him talent and funds so that he can remain in business. That sounds like Jesus, right? But does it sound like a 2019 kind of world? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. To be like Jesus, you need to consider the interests of others. Even your enemy. In every aspect of your vocation, you are called to live out the values of Jesus. You are called to live out the values of Jesus, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday morning and throughout the week. Humility. 
Humility is a key virtue in the life of disciples. Mary, consider Mary. Mary gives us an example of humility in today's gospel lesson. Mary was chosen. She was chosen to do the the most important job I believe that any woman has ever been called to do, and that is to carry a child to carry a child for nine months. But not just any child. This child was and is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. The hope of the whole world clings to Jesus Christ. So Mary was chosen to carry the Son of God in her womb. Now Mary wasn't chosen because of her success in religion, She wasn't chosen because of her great spiritual devotion. Mary was chosen because God chooses different. God has a completely different way of choosing people than the world has of choosing people. God's system of success is different from this world that we live in. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. We don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. We remember Mary. And we remember her humble servanthood. Her humble servanthood to you and to the whole world because she carried the Son of God in her womb for nine months. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace He gives grace to the humble. In the Magnificat, or the Song of Mary, we get a glimpse into her heart. A heart of of humility is revealed in Mary's song. We learn from Mary that she recognized the reality that God chooses the foolish in the world to shame the wise. She understood that God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. That God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Mary understood who she was. Mary understood how unworthy she was. Mary understood what a precious gift was given to her in carrying the Son of God in her womb for nine months. Mary got it. So Mary sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Humble servanthood. It's not the hallmark characteristic 
of the successful in the political world or in the business world or even in the church world. But humble servanthood is the key virtue of discipleship. And you have been called as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's rare in politics, it's rare in business to hear of people who are successful through humility and servanthood, but it is possible. It is possible. Some of the most successful and wealthy business people I know have a greater concern for the needs of other people than for themselves. So it is possible to be successful and to be humble. So today we talk about humility. Now, the Magnificat is a song of praise from Mary's lip. It is, it is an act of devotion and worship to God. So I ask this question, can we worship God without humility? Can we worship him without humility? How does humility connect to worship? I believe the reflex of humble discipleship is worship. That's why Mary's soul burst forth in the song of praise to her God. A soul that worship is a soul that walks with humility before the Lord. A soul that worships has come to grasp with the humble estate of inner sinfulness. They understand inner sinfulness and also the glory of God's grace. To worship is to know who you are as a sinner and to know how good and gracious God has been to you in bestowing upon you the gift of salvation. Your soul will never fill with songs of praise until your heart has been made humble by God and until the grace of God grabs a hold of your heart. When you understand who God is and who you are and what he has done for you, you cannot help but sing from your soul. Anyone can sing with their lips. Anybody can do that. The only person who can sing from the soul is the person who knows the grace of God. Do you know his grace today? Do you know who you are? Do you know who God is? And do you know what he has provided for you in this baby in Bethlehem's manger and what he has provided for you in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection? If you know Jesus, you sing from the soul. And this is the picture of Mary in our gospel reading today. She sang from the depths of her soul because God had chosen her. She didn't deserve Jesus. She knew she couldn't earn Jesus. That precious gift of Jesus in her womb had nothing to do with her had everything to do with a God who is gracious and bestows upon us the gift of Jesus Christ 
for our salvation and the salvation of the world. So her soul bursts forth in songs of praise. And what about John the Baptist? Did you know that John the Baptist shows up just before Mary sings this song? Did you recognize that? Did you notice that John, the last great prophet of the Old Testament era, is in our reading today? Where is he? What does John the baptizer do when he meets Jesus? Luke 1, 39 through 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among woman, women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Amazing. Elizabeth, the relative of Mary, pregnant with John the Baptist, in the presence of Jesus, John the Baptist leaps with joy in the womb of his mother. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she too breaks forth in doxology of praise for the glory of what is happening in the presence of Jesus. The Son of God entered the womb of Mary, and everyone bursts forth in spontaneous praise, leaping, praising, and singing. Because Jesus, Jesus came. And they understood why Jesus came. They understood the reason for his coming and the great gift that he was not only to them, but also to the whole world. What is your reaction to this season? I have to admit, the older I get, I'm becoming more like the Grinch. I think that um, if you have kids and all that, it's, it's great, it's fun, but sometimes you're just ready for it to be over. Anybody here with me on that? Sometimes? Yeah. If you're honest. Maybe we've lost sight of what's really going on here and what we're really celebrating and what really happened. Jesus didn't come to create a hectic, busy season. Jesus came for your salvation and for the forgiveness of your sins. So we stopped singing. I stopped singing. I stop singing from my soul when my heart is no longer being transformed by grace. If my heart is not being transformed continually by grace, that's when I stop 
singing. That's when pride rises up in my heart and I just think to myself, when will this season be over? But grace has grabbed a hold of us. It it has taken hold of our hearts and it has changed us. It has transformed us. And that's why we're a singing church. That's why we're a praising church. Our liturgy and song burst forth from hearts transformed by grace. But let's not limit worship to singing only. Let's never forget that worship is actually a lifestyle. It's not an activity that we do for one hour or an hour and a half or however long I preach on Sunday morning. Worship is an everyday thing. And this is where we begin to live out humility. Humility comes into praise and worship and that we realize who we are, that we're sinners and that he has taken hold of our hearts by grace and so we burst forth in song. That's a heart that is made humble by God, but then we also go forth in humility to serve other people. We go forth to serve our neighbors. Romans 12:1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Which is your spiritual worship. So worship extends into every aspect of our lives, every nook and cranny of our vocations. And we stop living as servants of others when we are no longer being transformed by grace. So when we are no longer being transformed by grace, we we no longer sing from the soul. And when we are no longer transformed by grace, we no longer go forth with a concern for our neighbors. The humility goes away. And we have no concern to glorify God or to serve our neighbor. Mary was not chosen because of an exalted spiritual state. Mary needed Jesus just as much as I need Jesus. Mary needed the Savior just as much as you need the Savior. Mary was humble. Mary knew her need for the grace and the mercy of God. And God looked at the humble estate of his servant Mary. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary conceived and bore a child, a child who was promised by the prophets, a child who would grow to teach us the truth, a child who would humble himself and become obedient to death, even death on a cross for your salvation. Why are we humble? We are humble because Christ humbled himself for us. We speak of this in the creed, conceived of the Holy Spirit, God entering into the womb of a woman, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. That is humility. For God to enter into the womb of a woman, 
for the purpose of going to the cross, for the purpose of being buried in a tomb. That's humility, brothers and sisters in Christ. Success in the eyes of the world look nothing like Jesus. Success in the eyes of the world look nothing like pregnant women. Success in the eyes of the world look nothing like humble servanthood or a stable or a cross or a tomb. But humble servanthood in the eyes of God is success. So much so that those who are humble before God are recipients of grace and mercy. And those transformed by grace praise the name of God. They serve their neighbor and they share in the mighty and triumphant victory of Jesus Christ. And we know the story. Jesus didn't remain in the grave. God exalted him. God exalted his son, Jesus Christ. We go back to the creed. How was Jesus exalted? The first step of Jesus' exaltation was what? He descended into hell. Jesus descended into hell as victor over hell itself. He didn't go there to suffer. He went there as a conquering king over the power of hell itself. He descended into hell. He rose again from the dead, defeating the grave. Did you know that your grave has been defeated? One day they will put you in a coffin and they will bury you in a grave, but that grave has no victory over you. Because you share in the very resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even your mortal body will be raised from death to life. Because Jesus not only defeated his grave, he defeated your grave. And he ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is there, interceding always for you on your behalf. He is so concerned for you today. He loves you so much. He is always interceding before the Father on your behalf. He loves you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And then we confess that he is coming again. He is coming again to judge the living and the dead. So today, Jesus calls. He calls to you. Believe in him. Trust in him. Lay your sins at the cross. Believe the good news of the gospel. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus has won the victory. He has had mighty success over sin, death, and hell. He has triumphed for you. Believe in him. Believe in him. And then may this reality 
of his humble servanthood for you and towards you, may this reality transform you from being self-seeking, self-promoting, only concerned about your own interests into a disciple who goes with great humility, a deep understanding of who you are, a deep understanding of who God is, and a deep understanding of what Christ has done for you through the cross, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you and we praise you for the goodness of your grace and of your mercy towards us. And we come before you today with humble hearts, humble hearts acknowledging that we need this gift from you. So we take a moment of silence to reflect, a time of silence to confess, and a time of silence to do business with you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would take this moment now to lift our hearts before you, acknowledging our sin, but also acknowledging, Lord, how grateful we are for the salvation that you've won for us. Take some time now to do some business with God, to lay your heart before him, to humble yourself before him, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment that we've had. And I pray, Lord, that if there are any here who do not acknowledge you as Savior, I pray in Jesus' name that you would, by your Holy Spirit, touch their hearts, create faith where there is no faith, grant repentance, cause them, Lord Jesus, to know how gracious you are, how loving you are, Cause them to know, Heavenly Father, that in trusting you, they can have the forgiveness of sins, your presence with them always, and even victory in death itself. So, Lord, do this work in the hearts and in the minds of your children today. Lord, we also remember those within our congregation who are facing difficulties. Think of the Coleman family. We pray that you would comfort their hearts. We think of others too, Lord, who have uh, experienced recent deaths in the family. Touch them and help them. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those who are sick in their bodies, knowing that we have some that cannot be with us here today because of age or because of illness. Touch them and heal them, Lord. Lord, who, those who come here carrying heavy burdens of grief, knowing that this holiday season is a time of sorrow, I pray that the reality of Jesus Christ and the peace of Christ would fill their hearts. Fill their hearts with joy. Fill their hearts with the knowledge that you are a good and a gracious Savior. Move within our congregation. Move us towards humble servanthood. 
Help us to look to the needs of each other before we look to our own needs. Help us to see the needs and the interests of our community above our own interests. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.